get up, get, get up, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to episode 109 of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets. The boys are buzzing. This was a huge series going up against the Atlanta Braves. We're throwing high fives around because as much as the sky was falling just a few days ago, according to some Mets fans, you probably feel like you're a little bit on cloud nine right now because the Mets just took a series from the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta, two games to one without Starling Marte, without Jeff McNeil, without Jacob deGrom, without James McCann, without Tyler McGill, without Trevor May. Is there anybody else I'm forgetting, James? Without Joey Lucchese. Without Joey Lucchese, without, uh, what's the, John Curtis. Without John Curtis, without Sean Reed Foley. Lots of, lots of guys missing, and the Mets were still able to go down to that city of Atlanta and beat the Atlanta Braves. It's what, it's interesting what happens when they play a team that's above 500. No, it's shocking. The last, <laughs> the last two times the Braves have played the team... That were good, the Mets and the Dodgers. They lost both series. Yep. So, I mean, I feel like the conversation of the Mets not being good and the Braves being really good, like, I think everyone is probably feeling a little more calm now. The Mets showed this series that they are a good ball club, and of course, we're going to talk about that in today's episode. We've known the Mets were a good ball club. There was never a doubt why the Mets were a good ball club. Well, the Mets, certainly not with us. No, the Mets had holes, we knew that, but it's not like the Mets were ever considered a bad team. The Mets have the fourth best record in... Major League Baseball right now. But they're a bad team. Terrible. The season's over. It's over. It collapsed. It collapsed. We even saw Tomas Nito after the game talk about that the Mets players inside the clubhouse are a little tongue-in-cheek about after they had the Marlins series that everybody outside of the Mets clubhouse was saying the series over. But inside, they were like, yeah, like we're a good baseball it's hysterical. team. hysterical. I mean, also, we haven't even intro yet, but we have to stop probably admonishing these types of <laughs> these types of comments from the fans. Probably, probably. Listen, this is what we do. We make we give you entertainment here on the Mets Sub Podcast. Hopefully, you've been enjoying what you've been seeing thus far since we've come on with the New York Mets to become the official podcast. If you have, make sure you're following us on all our social media at MetsUp, that's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube version of what you're listening to, head on over to the New York Mets YouTube channel. You'll be able to find it there. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you find your podcast, you will be able to find us. So download the episode, subscribe to the feed, drop us a rating, drop us a review. It does help us out a ton. I don't have to bring you in because we've been speaking already, but... A lot. Such a good series. I feel so good. Awesome. I told you I want to pop off, so I'm going to pop off a little bit here. We need a guy that pop off because we all deserve this. This was a day game, too, recording this Wednesday evening. Now they're usually their late time that we like to do a lot of these episodes, but have a nice night. Tomorrow the Mets don't play the Cubs until... Or today, when you guys are listening to this on Thursday, we'll play the Cubs until like 7 o'clock, three day games after that. Just enjoy, enjoy this series win for a little while here, but then just remember, you have 12 more games against this team, including a five-game series in the first week of August, so enjoy the series. No salicatas here. No salicatas here. Bask, you have 24 hours to bask since we're recording right now, so you guys don't know it yet, but you have until 6 o'clock on Thursday to bask, so I hope you got this episode in before 6 o'clock on Thursday, because the basking ends at 6.01 on Thursday night. No doubt. But that being said, let's bask a little bit because how nice is it? I just remember today's my parents' anniversary. I did not tell them. Anything. James, you gotta say happy anniversary. Oh. Here, give them a little shout out on the episode. <laughs> They're gonna listen to this and hear that. Shout out, mom and dad. Happy anniversary. Well, wonderful, wonderful. I can't wait to come home this weekend and celebrate with you. I'll be home too, going to see the parents. Not for an anniversary, simply because I have to for medical reasons. I can't believe I just remembered that on the podcast. That's so funny. That's that's good. That's good. That's we've had a lot of live reactions. Speaking of which, <laughs> Robinson Cano in this series obviously made an appearance for the Atlanta Braves in two games. And funny enough, 
the Braves lost both of those games that Robinson Cano appeared in. And really funny. I know we technically hit a couple balls hard, but it's got to be refreshing at least to know that watching Robinson Cano play these last few days, he's still not very good. He's still old. He still can't hit the ball in the air for any sort of authority. Hit the ball hard a couple times on the ground. Robinson Cano on the game on Monday. I guess we'll start easing into the Monday game here because it was a little uncomfortable seeing him on the field and seeing him come up a few times. He got a hit in his first at-bat with the Braves against the Mets. 112 miles an hour, the second hardest hit ball in the entire game, besides Ozuna, who's double later in this game, is 112.1 miles an hour off the bat. Well, what's funny about that at-bat, too, is that we were watching the game, me and you, we were hanging out with a couple friends, and as soon as he got that hit, it flipped over to the top of the order with Ronald Acuna, we go, oh, this is a guaranteed home run. Because, yeah. of course, Robinson Cano extends the inning on what was a very tough play for Luis Guillorme to make, who's been so sure-handed this year. Ball was smoked. I 112. Mean, also, 112. the strangest thing about that, we're now we're just, it's going to be nonsense here because we're so happy about this series. It's strange that the Mets weren't shifting Robinson Cano. I feel like just he's a guy who pulls it so frequently, and he is so slow that you can kind of put your infield defenders in a advantageous way that like you can get any ground ball he's ever going to hit. You know how like the Rays play like a five or a four man outfield sometimes on yeah. like Joey Gallo. Blue Jays do a good amount too. I feel like you could do a five man infield against Robinson Cano. Like hit the ball to the outfield. Line I'd love up. to see you try. We'll put in the gaps, and that's about he it. Yeah, second hit in this game. Hilarious. Robinson Cano two hits in this game, and one just like scooted up the middle where it's like I thought. Someone would be there. Someone should have been there, yeah. I don't know why they weren't shifting against Robinson Cano. Luckily, it didn't matter. Also, we're not talking about Robinson Cano anymore this episode. Yeah, that's it. That's the last that's mention it. of Robinson Cano. Uh, good riddance. Until August, we play him again. Hopefully, he's still on this roster because he's not very good. Yeah, but Robinson Cano playing is a good thing for us. Great thing. He also <laughs> There was a double play where he did a glove flip, and we got ended up getting a run. It was it was almost a really good play, but we, we won a challenge after that. Or call whatever whatever happened your man up being safe first base score the run but this is all nonsense the only really thing that matters from game one that we have to talk about is max scherzer so good this is the whole fucking reason you sign max scherzer to be on this team this is why you give max scherzer the big bucks so do you want him to start game one of a series against your bitter rival where first place in your division's on the line and he shoves dude was unbelievable from the first pitch of the game it is so refreshing to watch him pitch because yes, Bassett, Carrasco, Taiwan, all these guys have been great for us all amazing. year long. Amazing. But watching a guy like Max Scherzer is just so different. We've seen it with Degrom in the past in the Mets. Now we have Scherzer in this rotation, and he just he commands the ball differently. The way you feel watching him is different. He is simply one of the best pitchers that we have seen in our lifetime, without a doubt. And it's so so sick that he now gets to pitch for the Mets. Other other domination on Monday: seven innings pitch, nine strikeouts. Three hits, one earned run, one walk. It's just, what, what are you going to do? Like, this is it. The slider and the fastball were both completely nasty. He broke out a couple changeups when he needed to, more like that once he got two or three times around the order. Cutter also. Yeah. Cutter made an appearance. He's been sitting around 10% usage rate in that Cutter for most of this season. He threw it nine times. This is bizarre. Threw the Cutter nine times. Braves hitter swung at all nine of them. Which is interesting. Interesting, right? I wonder and why that would be. Five whiffs. Is there any reason you could think why they would swing at the cutter more than... Is it just like... It looks like the slider. looks like the slider and is fast like the fastball, maybe? I don't just know. Give Take a shot. Just maybe... I guess it fools them, maybe? I don't even know. I can't even figure it out. All that matters is good night, Atlanta. Good night, Atlanta. Really, really good job by Max Scherzer. Really good job by the team in general, because at times this game was close. At times this game Most got a little dicey, too. I yeah. mean, Austin Riley hit that home run in the seventh inning, and then they got the Ozuna double, and it was like, oh... Yeah. Hold on a second. And at that point, before the Riley home run in the seventh, it was two two nothing Mets after a little rally in the uh, third other inning. I think that was the play we're talking about with the Guillaume field. Yep. Uh, technically became a fielder's choice because be that double play. Pete had a double down the line as well. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And then Austin Riley hit that home run to make the game 2-1 in the seventh. And you also kind of felt a little bit of pressure on Max Scherzer as this game was moving along. Without the Mets really scoring many runs on Max Fried, despite having him on the ropes, despite not really swinging and missing anything, having base runners every single inning, running that pitch count up, where you didn't have enough runs, you felt nervous, and you also knew that Edwin Diaz had pitched consecutive days, yep. and that Adam Alavino had pitched, I believe at this point it was two out of three days. So you didn't really know who was available and who was not available at the end of this game to... And Scherzer's pitch count was so low that you're like, maybe he can just do this himself. Which would have been sick. Absolutely. The seventh inning kind of put that to bed when Austin Riley hit a tank because he's one of the better hitters in baseball. Also, quick diatribe here. I don't like the fact that while he's having a good season, William Contreras is an all-star. Over Austin Riley. Over Austin Riley. On the same team, Austin Riley has twice as many at-bats. He has 20 home runs, like 25 doubles. He's hitting the piss out of the ball. Like... It's ridiculous. This guy's 150 plate appearances. He's going to be a starting DH. Well, the way that they do the All-Star game is a little stupid in that the DH is limited to guys who play DH. That's their main position, which William Contreras debatably... Yeah, even, not even. He's like pretty much a DH or catcher. Yeah. So, like, why can't Austin Riley fill in and play DH? There's a lot of guys that got snubbed no, I know. from like, the All-Star team, but he's probably the biggest one right now, and it's stupid because, like... Yeah, Arenado and Machado are better. I think probably For more sure. deserving than Austin Riley. But 100%. Again, this is the only time I think we'll ever be positive about the Braves here and be happy and stuff. But it is worth noting that Austin Riley is one of the best third basemen in the league. Absolutely. And again, Contreras is 150 played appearances. Francisco Lindor is over 65 RBIs, like 18 home runs. He's not going to the All-Star game. Yeah. Brandon Drury has almost a 140 WRC+, plus, an incredible breakout year from a guy who's been hanging around for a while. I mean, even Brandon Nimmo. Like, there's yeah. just like, there are players that 100% deserve it more, and it's weird that he gets in because of the weird DH caveat. I know it is dumb, but that was I, just, I was thinking about that when going over notes for this series. It's just, while he is a good player and he's having a good year, and it's cool that he's going to be in the all-star team with his brother. That's sick. But, like, I, I just I can't imagine him being an all-star. I mean, you know who could have taken that spot? Known cleanup hitter, known power hitter, Luis Guillorme, with a massive, massive insurance home run late in this game. And the bat flip. The bat flip was unbelievable. It was, it was sneaky nice. Got a massive reaction from Max Scherzer. Pounded on the rail. Lindor pushed him in the back. He this bump through the dugout. Which Lindor's got to be like one of the bravest humans on earth. I would never, even if Max Scherzer's excited, I would just let him be excited by himself. There's no way I'm pushing Max Scherzer. This also hilarious tidbit we got from the broadcast. Luis Guillorme's fourth home run of his entire career. Second off of Darren O'Day. Which is so funny. And both this season. Because Darren O'Day is such a weird pitcher that so many guys have trouble with, but it seems like Luis Guillorme is like, oh, She's going to float 85 to me. I'll smack it. Especially being able to like lift the ball and be able to track Darren O'Day's fastball. I guess we were talking about swing path stuff a few months ago. Maybe Guillaume always being like a slap hitter or O'Day throwing submarine. It kind of just reverses swing path. It's like a total 180. So now it's just like it becomes an uppercut. And Guillaume took that high pitch and just sent it into the Atlanta sky. And that was incredibly, incredibly important insurance run. Beating up by two runs on the Braves rather than one heading into the last few innings. Now, it did get a little bit dicey, though, in the eighth. Uh, because dicey-ish. the Mets played like a weird defensive alignment again. There was a lot of just weird defensive alignments in this game. There was a situation where Adovina was on the mound and Ronald Acuna smoked the ball down the line and just no one was, was, was there. Usually, and we talked about this a little bit last year in the show as well, like generally 
you see at the end of games, you just naturally guard the line. I know defensive analytics are incredibly more advanced than they ever have been in the history of baseball, so maybe there are situations where your numbers tell you no. But it just seems like you want to stop doubles when you want to keep runs off the board. I believe there was nobody on at this point either. And we saw the Braves actually do that well on Tuesday night on, I believe, I don't remember who hit it, but I know I remember Olsen. Actually, I think it was Dom. Lindor. No, I think Lindor. Lindor. And Dom, I think, smoked one down the line, too. Olsen just knocked balls down that would have been doubles, and he wound up limiting damage. Because also, there was no damage that ended up happening. The Braves were stuck at one run. Other side of this game, more weird defensive alignment stuff. Super weird. weird. kind of little nuanced stuff the Messed Up Podcast is going to bring you guys. The Braves being down two runs with a man on third and less than two outs in the top of the ninth inning decided to keep their infield back against Pete Alonso. And shockingly, it actually ended up kind of saving them from a big inning because he smoked the ball at third base and Austin Riley was able to make two steps over to his left, cut the ball off, get the ad first, the run scored, extend this Mets lead to four the one where they would eventually win it. But it was a little strange to me that Brian Snicker didn't bring his infield in. Yeah, the defensive alignment in this game, just start to finish, was a little bit questionable at times by both sides. I mean, luckily for us with the Mets. Did you hear Gary's take on why Snicker did that? No. He kind of wanted to he didn't care about the Mets score this is Gary's take not that it was substantiated in any way yeah he wanted to stop a big inning and basically give the Mets one run in a two-run game because he wanted to theoretically this is Gary's take ensure that Edwin Diaz would come in this game because he was already warming up at this point hmm. and you figure if you make sure that Edwin Diaz pitches the first game of this series the third day in a row it's a lock he's not pitching the rest of the series that's like some big brain stuff that like you wouldn't get from the Tampa Bay Rays that's old man big brain yeah stuff. old school big brain that's like Buck Walter. I would expect to do something like that it's like, fun watching Snicker and Rick Cran. it's like just hang out in this dugout Ron, Ron Washington, Washington. Yeah. yeah it's just it's a fun old man dugout that's that they are old men that get it I mean last year that's why the Braves ended up having this huge swing the second half of the year was because they just started shifting taking yeah. a little bit of analytics and they were like oh we're really good now all of a sudden our pitchers are great yeah this game included it was uh you know it was a, it was a close one and luckily for us we have edwin who comes in, in the ninth and is just unhittable 11 pitches k's the side i think his three appearances including that night it was like 11 pitches seven pitches and eight or, 10 or nine or whatever yeah. every single outing was 11 pitches or less also now i kind of also remember why i was a little bit annoyed at William Contreras today. Why? He walks up to Narcos. Oh, yes, he does. And that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, that got me. That kind of got me going the wrong direction on him, even though I do like him as a player and I'm very, you know, happy he's been all star with his brother. But you can't. That's not that's, that's, Ed, that's not your song. It's Edwin Diaz's song. 100%. You know, you know any other closers that come out to enter Sandman? Of course I, I, not. No, yes, yeah, I do. Who? It was a big thing. You don't remember when this happened? Who came out to it? Billy Wagner. Billy. Oh. Remember that was a whole big thing? New yeah. York, the guys were writing about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, we were 10. Nice so. try, though. We were 10. <laughs> we were 10. So you make fun of me for saying I saw bits of the 2000 World Series and you can remi- remember writers in 2005 and six talk about Billy Wagner's outro music? I'm, I'm a big baseball nerd. I was grabbing my dad's Daily News when I was a child. Reading the Post? Yeah, the Daily News, Daily News. I have, I have a little bit of class. I think I've read a total of like four newspapers in my life. Yeah. Funny though, back to this game. This has been, we were all already off the rails. Edwin Diaz had as many whiffs in this inning as Max Fried has entire start, domination, Struck out the side on eleven pitches. Like this, this is. And afterwards, told the Braves, "Zip your lips, Shh, quiet. Zip your lips, quiet." I'm Edwin Diaz. I'm sick. He can't touch me. The slider he threw to Matt Olson was unfair. Yeah, it was sending a chill down my spine. Also, before we wrap this game up, move on to game two. I just playing the Braves reminded me of this. We didn't talk about Ender Enciarte making a great play on Saturday Keith Hernandez game. We, we totally botched. forgot. We botched it. Botch the original. You know, but yeah, the original animal that we have uh, <laughs> saved a nickname for many of players around the league. 
Ender Inciarte. He was there. He was there in Atlanta. I don't think he played at all. I don't all. believe he did. But just being in this park reminded me about Ender Inciarte and that he made that good catch. We didn't mention I wanted to give him a shine. Also, depth outfielders, Jankowski, back. Jankowski back. Jankowski makes things happen. The Mets have a, Mets play really well when he's in the lineup. I, what's their their record Wait, actually, was really good. And Ciarte probably got with Jankowski being active. No, he was still there because he was? yeah, they had at least for game one. I don't remember the rest of the series. Oh, Not sure. He didn't oh, play. Yeah, paternity list McNeil. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So he was still hanging around. Time for game two. Game two. David Peterson going up against Spencer Strider, who we got a first up and close look at. Spencer Strider I told you guys. is nasty. He's filthy. The numbers don't lie. The guy has electric stuff. And even Keith found himself being like, oh, oh, wow. He he was enamored with the command that Spencer Strider had on his fastball. He's like, he's not just throwing that thing. He knows where it's going. And we saw that. And Strider is a guy who was not really the biggest prospect. He's a smaller guy. And he reinvented himself at Clemson in their pitching laboratory, kind of becoming obsessed with getting that really good high backspin fastball that gives the rising uh, the rising action with his incredible velocity. And since he became a starter, I think he leads all of baseball in strikeout rate. Yeah, no, he's been absolutely He's disgusting. incredible. And, and we actually got a lead off him in this game. Yeah, we did. We did. And credit to David Peterson, too. Had another really, really good start against the Atlanta Braves lineup, who he has struggled against in the past, especially in Atlanta. He's had horrendous numbers pitching in Atlanta. And the dude had a really, really nice outing again. I want to talk about the bad from the Peterson start before the good. So I sure. want to get the bad out of the way and then leave people with the good. Go because for it. we did have the one nothing lead on Lindor's triple, which Ronald Acuna still seems to be missing a step since the ACL. It's like a beeline to a ball in the gap and just went past him. Which yeah. He gets a play we've seen Ronald Acuna make, but not anymore. And Peterson came out for the sixth, and that would have been his third time around this order. And this is something that we've talked about a lot in the show. I've talked about a few times, especially with Peterson. Now he's become mostly a two pitch pitcher. And then you look at this Atlanta lineup, and there's not a much better top three in all of baseball. There's there's not really any holes in this lineup to begin with. No, but then once you get to the top and you see Acuna, Swanson, the way he's playing right now, and Olsen, this is kind of similar to the Dodgers start with Peterson where you see Betts, Freeman, Turner. Like, third time around the order, sometimes you want to give the guy a shot, but maybe against this one, it's a little bit dicey. And he got Acuna, then Swanson came up, and he was walked on a call that was pretty bad. Yeah, it was a strike. Two calls are pretty bad, I believe. Strikes on both of them. Yeah. But the umpire in this game, I don't remember who it was. I think it was actually Andy Fletcher. That was the name of an umpire. That was the name of an umpire. I think Welke or Gelke or one of them was uh, Wednesday. But naive man on first. Matt Olson's up. A little bit of a tenuous at bat. He had a very long foul ball, and he had him with two strikes though. And you could tell Olson was looking slither. And Peterson just like dotted, dotted the fastball low and outside. That was like a clean inch and a half off. But the idea was great. Yeah. And he had him frozen. These were just nothing. There was no way he was swinging at that pitch. Didn't wind up doing it. And then, for some reason, he got a little bit addicted to that fastball. I don't know why. I feel like a guy like Olsen, who's struggled habitually in his entire career with lefties, yeah. usually that'd be the breaking ball would be the big reason for that. He just, he just got a hold of a fastball and hit one out. Yeah, when Peterson's slider is so good, too. It's not like it's an okay slider. It's like it literally, is, statistically right now, it's one of the best sliders in all of baseball. Which is like a crazy sentence to say out loud, knowing where David Peterson has come from. But, yeah, the slider is filthy. Didn't love the pitch calling there. Didn't love the selection of pitches. Because, again, Peterson still shakes and decides what he wants to throw. But, man, when you're going up against one of the best hitters in the game who's also left-handed, you got to go with your best. And his fastball isn't his best pitch. And it's also a weird situation where after the walk to Swanson, I think most situations would have called for your starting pitcher to get taken out at that point. Yeah. With the go-ahead run at the plate and your third time around the order, especially a guy with only two pitches, a little bit more of a, a younger, learning how to pitch kind of starter. But the fact that Peterson's a lefty, Olsen's a lefty, Olsen struggles against lefties, and the Mets bullpen only has one lefty in the pen right now, you really want to 
take this at bat and get this guy out. And yeah. you remember, almost this exact same thing <laughs> happened in May when Mets played the doubleheader against Atlanta. And we were there sitting with the seven line. Where Peterson coming third time around the order, I famously told Mark, I'm going to the bathroom this inning. I was having stomach issues. It's third time around the order. I know for a fact the Braves are going to score. Yeah. And it happened. The exact same thing happened where he had a tough at bat against Olsen and it wound up in a home run. I believe that was a three-run home run rather than two-run home run. Yeah. So you've seen this happen before. So maybe we'll think about this next time Peterson faces the Braves. And it's also interesting that Olsen, including Wednesday, has three home runs against the Mets this year. All three against starting pitchers, third time around the order. That is an interesting fact. It just seems like he I mean, he's a good he's hitter. He's a smart ball player. He figures it out. But we, I don't want this to dilute David Peterson's shine. No. Because he was fantastic in the start again. Final line, five and a third innings pitch, nine strikeouts. Ooh. Like, who the, who, the, who the hell is this guy? This guy's a beast. Two hits, three walks, just two earned runs in that home run. 44% slider usage rate in this game. Most thrown pitch of the night. He's been doing that a couple times, more and more, last few times out. It's a real weapon. 50% whiffs on this on that pitch. Craziest stat, though. No sliders were put in play. Wow. How crazy. I mean, I saw the ones, like, I mean, I was watching the game, and the ones he was throwing, Acuna looked like he'd never swung a bat before swinging at these sliders. And this is a right-handed heavy lineup. There yeah. are very few lefties in the lineup at all besides Olsen. Right-handed heavy lineup that rakes, too. In humid Atlanta, where the ball was kind of flying all series. Never people made contact. It went out of the yard. So the fact that they didn't touch his slider, like, it, this pitch has come such a long way. He is such a weapon for us right now, and I don't... I really, I really like don't know where this team would be without David Peterson. I like to think right now he's one of the better kept secrets in baseball because if you ask, I think the average, honestly, even Mets fans mm-hmm. sometimes, and I'm not talking about you guys who are listening to us. You guys are smart. You're watching. You're, you're listening to a Mets podcast. You guys are smart. You're good looking. You're talented, successful. You can do anything. Yeah, if you, you listen can, to this podcast. Yeah, if you listen to this podcast, your IQ points automatically go higher. Anything. Your 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 vigor. Your charisma. But. I would even say, go out to say, even the average Mets fan doesn't, I don't think, truly understand how good David Peterson is. I've been talking to friends in baseball, mentioning about David Peterson, and they're like, oh, him? What's he got? I'm like, what has he got? He's got one of the best pitches in the league right now. I kind of do want to take a step back, though, and like really outline how good he's been so far, especially since June 1st. I feel like that's kind of where tides started shifting for Peterson. He started throwing a lot more sliders. That's where he really felt like he hit his stride. 22.4 strikeout minus walk rate since June 1st. Uh, this is a metric I told you guys about last episode. You take your strikeout rate minus your walk rate. It's incredibly predictive and incredibly effective in finding out which pitchers are good and which pitchers are due for more success. Yeah, That 22.4% number is 10th in all of baseball. That's sick. All of baseball since June 1st. All of baseball. That is ahead of Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Shane Bieber. Those, Those guys, guys are 11, 12, 13. Those guys are pretty good. Really good. Two former Cy Young winners there, and Aaron Nola, who's a consummate professional. That is with, though, a 10% walk rate. And if there's one thing you can say about Peterson during this hot streak is that the command is still not, like, great. That's kind of what's driving my take, that he would just be, like, the best reliever in baseball if we needed to do that <laughs> at the end of the year. But he's still a very good starter, so we're going to keep this going right now. Seventh best strikeout rate in baseball since June 1st for Damn. David Peterson. Seventh best. That's... All of baseball. Top seven. Right ahead of him is Corbin Burns. Right after him is Carlos Rodon. Yeah, Carlos Rodon is sick, too. That's the sandwich. Corbin Burns, David Peterson, Carlos Rodon. And, and I feel like nobody really... No. Like, me me and you both have been talking about it. and doing. He's been doing well, but I didn't know he was doing this well. It's one of the best, best pitchers in baseball over the last six weeks. He's been... Literally. Like... Two of the best young pitchers in the game right now yes, are pitching and, in this game. And it was kind of funny because heading into the series, I don't remember if it was Howie or if it was Gary or if it was Wayne, but one of them previewing, I think, Monday's game, or maybe even Sunday. I don't remember what I was listening to, but they were like, oh, fun series here. Tuesday, David Peterson, Spencer Strider, two very young but very different pitchers, and Wednesday, 
Chris Bass and Charlie Morton, two old, very similar pitchers. And I was like, that's not that's not true at all. <laughs> Peterson and Strider are hilariously similar. Fastball and sliders. Fastball and sliders with devastating sliders. Strider, of course, has a different fastball than Peterson, but I think Peterson's a very different slider. And then you have, we're going to move here into, you know, actually, no, we're not going to move into that yet. But then you have Morton and Bass, just two old guys, but the stuff's incredibly different. Yeah. No, I mean, like, Peterson's looked really, really solid. Of course, the Mets don't end up winning this game. No, yeah, Strider's incredible. Strider's really good. The Braves' offense came alive a little bit. I mean, that's going to happen. They are still a very good team, as we know. They're and competing with us for the National League East crown. Yeah, got into, like, the BC team bullpen here, but you're not going to sweep the Braves, probably. It would have been great. I mean, it would have been I, sick. Can you imagine what our intro would have sounded like if we swept the Braves? We've sure been gone off. more off-topic than we have recently in a while, just yeah. because the Mets won a series in Atlanta. I do want to take us more off-topic, though, for a second, because yeah, Keith Hernandez it. had... One of the greatest Keith Hernandez lines I think I've ever heard in this game, too. He's full of them. I don't remember who he was talking about. If it was Canna. It might have been Canna. It might have been Lindor. But he was talking about just hitting in general and how everything's got to be in line if you want to be a good hitter. And he was talking specifically about breakfast. And he was saying you have to make sure that you're not having an O for breakfast. You got to have hits in that breakfast. That's I like that. Hits, you got to have hits in your breakfast. So I wanted to ask you, what does breakfast look like for you? Because I'm sure your life is significantly different than mine for sure and every single listener that we have on this show. Probably like so 99% of the people listening. On earth. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the average day for me is I wake up around, I, I get about a bed at around 11, 1130, take a shower, you know, get ready, brush listeners, my teeth. Listeners hate you. Get ready for what? Get ready to sit, play some video games, watch a little baseball, do some box score reading, check fantasy baseball lineups, record a YouTube video if I'm feeling up for it on the day, uh, you know, tweet from the Mets to the podcast. But yeah, my day starts a little bit later than most, so my breakfast would basically be lunch for everybody else, which would be around 12.30, 1 o'clock, have a nice sandwich, some good cold cuts, a nice Genoa salami. I'm a, I'm a big salami guy, and if we're not eating sandwiches... Good tacos down the street. I mean, there's there's some great food out here in Queens. So, yeah, my day, my breakfast, it's definitely got some hits in it. It's just, I'm, you know what? I'm probably more, you ready for this? You ready for this? Yeah. I'm more on a Major League Baseball player schedule <laughs> right now. You know, that's, we're with the Mets now. I'm big, I'm big league. So, just like them, you know, yeah, you my day doesn't late. really, my day doesn't really start until like two, three o'clock. Yeah, of course. You got to get ready for the night. You got to get ready for the night when, when you're on. When the real work begins. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that's ridiculous. I used to be on the Mark Grind too, because my... My former remote job, which I will not disclose, used to be pretty, pretty lackadaisical. I used to be able to also wake up, you know, 10-ish, make kind of, the, do have the breakfast-lunch combination. I've been trying to, like, do early mornings now, wake up at, like, 7.30, I've had nights in the past month where I've gone to bed at 7.30. I've had nights in the past year where I've gone to bed at 7.30. I, yeah, we, but not, not, the weekends. Dur- not during the week. Not anymore. Not not, Tuesday. Those are the good old days. Just, <laughs> we're closing down rock and roll until 4 a.m. with my fr- my YouTube friends on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. I miss those days. But now it's kind of like, I have to find a way to eat something early. And it's kind of hard to, because I'm not, I'm, I've never been a morning guy. I'm not bred to eat early. I mean, I feel like the go-to for a New Yorker, and if you're not a New Yorker, when you come to New York, you got to get bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel. You have to. 100%, but I've had this goddamn gluten intolerance that's just ravaged my diet in the last six months i've had to totally relearn breakfast especially yeah what would you even what would you get then what can you put it on i can't go to the bodegas anymore i have to bring i have to bring a gluten-free roll which i don't i don't want to do that at all like that used to be the move i just walk to the deli get a three dollar bacon egg and cheese or if i was you know feeling fancy i would do like my own like avocado toast nice piece of toast spread an avocado little extra virgin olive oil little salt, salt pepper everything seasoning oh okay yeah a little fancy boy can't stuff. do the can't do the poppy seeds for yeah, me not, not great yeah, for yeah, the, yeah, uh, the digestive crumbs. tract yeah, the, the the stomach boys over here but now what i've done which i've again i'm trying to be real creative it's got it's always some fruit 
Yeah. Like banana, banana strawberry smoothie with okay. a little, some oats in there, start the day. I've eaten a lot more oatmeal since I've gotten gluten free. Oatmeal's so hit or miss for me. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to even be close to it. I've been doing some weird oatmeal stuff where I've been, I've found it. One of my friends told me about it and I did some research about it to see that other people actually do it. So she's not a total nut. Savory oatmeal. Interesting. I do oatmeal. I make the oatmeal like totally normal. Then I throw it in the pan with some olive oil and some salt and pepper. Get some veggies in there, some onion, usually some like any vegetable I have laying around, a broccoli or something, and asparagus, maybe if I'm feeling frisky. And then do like a like a sunny side egg on top, let the yolk break with a little bit of sriracha. That's that's been a weird late breakfast for me recently. It's been, that's been like my high calorie, my yeah, high calorie breakfast. I don't think you could sell me on a savory oatmeal. I think if I I'm would, doing oatmeal, I'm I sticking would, to apple cinnamon. It's kind of like when yeah, I, I'll do the sweet stuff sometimes too, the blueberries, strawberries, the raspberries, but. I would tell people it does sound weird. It sounded weird for me the first time. I did this out of necessity, but just don't knock it till you try it. If you ever, if you ever have an opportunity to find savory oatmeal, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, I mean breakfast is a elite, like uh, what is that called? Meal. What? Meal. That's what they're called. That's Meals. A, that's, a, that's a word. They're elite meal. Diner but, breakfast. Nothing better than diner breakfast. Uh, diners either. are. Uh, oh my god. Especially hash brown, home fry, bacon on the griddle. Out here in Astoria, the Greeks, we know a good diner. Yeah, there's a great diner too near me in Brooklyn. Shout out Tina's. It's an unbelievable diner. It's been around for uh, generations. Greeks. Greeks, of course. Yeah. I, listen, if it's a good diner, it's it's run by the yeah, Greeks. We grew up in Jersey. Big diner state. Oh, uh, awesome. Westfield had some of the best. Literally. Yeah, I had a great diner near me in Columbus too in college where it was a real hole in the wall. And shout out Nancy. Shut down during COVID. R.I.P. I love him. R.I.P. Nancy's. That was our breakfast talk, though. That was our I breakfast mean, talk. That line by Keith. Like, Keith just, he gives you one of those a week where you're just like, what? What did I just hear? He's just, he's incredible. I mean, <laughs> the stuff that comes out of his mouth sometimes, you know, maybe maybe hold it back every once in a while. I'm not going to say that he's right about everything that he says, but we really are, again, so lucky that we get Gary, who's just so cash money on play-by-play. Keith is just so funny, and he does have so much knowledge that you don't get a lot from other broadcasts. Of yeah, He'll tell you things that probably you shouldn't be saying on the air. And they'll also, they do the great thing where, like... I'm sure everyone out there does this with their friends. You just start naming players or people that were like famous when you felt like you were in your head. They like they throw out like niche celebrities from the 70s. And we're just like, what the frig? Yeah. Like, who are these people? And then like you got small little baseball memories. They'll pull out a nugget from a Thursday. Mets Cardinals, 1979. Joel Youngblood made yeah. a play. What? Keith will be like, I remember. I sliced the ball down the left field line, digged out two in a pass ball then, and I ran to third. Keith was also being funny in this game, talking about like pitcher speak versus hitter speak. And he was talking about the concept of a glove side fastball. He's like, I've never gotten that. I've never cared for that term. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's, it's so easy. It's very inquisitive. Like, you're a right-handed pitcher. Your glove's on your left hand. That's the outer corner for a right-handed batter. You got to remember he's a lefty, though. That's true, too. Yeah, I'm just, I was right. So I'm, think, I'm thinking in terms of righty. Special breed for uh, those it's, lefties we, out there. Every single time I listen to a game on television, even the radio, shout out Howie and Wayne. Jakey Eisenberg did the broadcast this week, too. He's also very good. Very good. As far as a backup radio broadcaster goes, Jake Eisenberg's near the top of that line. Better than some, most regular radio broadcasters. I'd say 85, 90%. I don't really listen to other teams' radios that often, but like it's just we have such a blessing as Mets fans that we get these guys giving us baseball on a daily basis. They're friends, they're fans, they're knowledgeable, they're insightful, they're fun, yeah. whimsical. They do they, they give you everything. And it's nice because in a game where we do lose, like we did in game two, it makes it still tolerable to watch because you're like, we're going to get some entertainment value, yeah, it's no enjoyable. doubt. Like, I honestly didn't turn this game off. I felt like it was over when it became 4-1, but yeah. I was like, they got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, well, some of the best content from Gary, Keith, and Ron 
comes when the Mets are losing. Oh, sometimes. blowouts! Yeah, blowouts. blowouts. Nothing better than either a win or a lose for the Mets because these guys go just nuts. It's it's like hanging out and having a beer with them and just, ha- just let's just talk about baseball for two hours. That's really like what it is, which is awesome. I want to have a beer with them so bad. Be fine. Well, you know, with the Mets now, it's possible. May, may, maybe I don't know. Mets, you guys could hook something up for the boys. Get Gary, Keith, and Ron. Maybe one of them on the. We know podcast. Keith mentioned not loving podcasts, but like maybe they'll like us. Yeah, maybe they'll like us. Who knows? He just he hasn't come on and met us yet. Once he meets us, we'll be great friends, Keith. Trust got, me. Trust got, me. Got Guys, guys. Guys, guys. Game three, though. Let's move on to game three because that's the one that we really want to talk about. We needed this. We needed this bad. Yeah, and weird for such a big game rubber match, two teams that are like hotly contested, to be at noon. Yeah, that's, on a weekday. That's when I wake up normally. Yeah, I, I had to wake up early. I was up at 10 o'clock today. Mark going to set the alarm for this one. Yeah, I did. I was up at 10 to make sure that I would be ready for a noon start, and I was ready. I had my candy that I had as my first meal of the day. <laughs> it was breakfast. You I, missed that one. Yeah, I had, I had Nerds gummy clusters. I was going to guess Mike and Ike's. I just had two. I had two. Oh, okay. And then I made Pacing some, yourself. And then I made some ramen soup. That was the ramen soup I saw you eat when I was here? Yeah. So like four o'clock? Yeah, that's been the food I've eaten today. <laughs> that's insane. Mark does all the time. We'll be hanging out like at a game. He'll be like, oh, I got to eat something. I'll be like, you hungry? He's like, I haven't eaten today. He'll be like, it's seven. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I just woke up. It's the YouTubers, man. They're an unhealthy bunch. We are creatures. We got to see, though, some really good pitching out of Chris Bassett going up against Charlie Morton, who he's not bad. He's just not the same Charlie Morton. He has been the same Charlie Morton for like a month. The Mets actually got to him for the first time in a while, but... Got there some shine, our boy Bassett. I'm old enough to remember when Chris Bassett was bad after that Padres <laughs> start, which feels like a lifetime ago. Oh but I remember God. Mets fans were, you know, he had a five ERA over a three start sample. He gave he gave up seven earned runs. What is that, he doing? That's it. The sky has fallen. But Bassett told us that night, and he has stuck to that that this will not happen again. So sick. Every single start since that Padres blow up, he's completed six innings. He's just been like real exactly as advertised just good just quite good not like great he's not bass is not gonna like shock you your jaw's not dropping when you watch chris bass pitch but you're gonna be like that is a good pitcher he fills in the role that we had a very similar type ish pitcher fill in last year marcus stroman of just being reliable every five days giving us some length and keeping us at absolute worst in the game hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. We mentioned the uh, consecutive six-inning streak from Bassett. Did again this one, of course, or else we wouldn't have brought it up. Six Sick. innings, six strikeouts, two walks, five hits, one earned. Craziest thing that Bassett did that I just love shouting out whenever he does it. Got a whiff with six different pitches. They were showing him going through his signs with uh, Nito behind the plate today. And that 
he shakes off a lot, but it's yeah. not necessarily because like he's like, no, you don't know what I want. It's more like, no, I just throw like so many pitches. Yeah. Like sometimes it's hard just, to pick. You got to figure it out. You got a one in six chance, and then depending on locations too, like the the possibilities are endless with Chris Bassett. And I mentioned last episode that his slider and curveball. I've been trying to use them a little bit more. It seems like did again this one it's trending up more sliders, more curveballs. Chris Bassett is harder to hit, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Jeremy Hefner. You're rocking the jersey, of course. I am. Just think, just think about some of the sliders in the league and the development that we've seen. Like when DeGrom's healthy, nasty slider, obviously. Edwin Diaz has one of the nastiest sliders in baseball. David Peterson has one of the nastiest sliders in baseball. Whatever Jeremy Hefner does for the slider. Walker and Bassett, these sliders this year have become very different pitches. Yeah, magical. He knows something with that slider grip and how to throw one, and it has made a difference for these pitchers. I love Jeremy Hefner. He's a guy who I am confident we will get on the show at some point. Definitely. I'm going to, like, fangirl. Like, I'm going to be starstruck. He's going to be the one where we're, like, we're, we're sweating. Jeremy we're, Hefner? We're nervous. We'll talk on to, our show. We'll talk to Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso, and we'll be like, oh, what's up, guys? Dap him up. Dap yeah. him up. Jeremy Hefner will be like, ah. I can't even. Call him sir, probably. Thank him. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank for you what? for just for this. For the pitching. For everything that's gone on. We I'll talk about pitching all day, of course. But offense was the big story on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. As ESPN called it, a home run barrage against Charlie Morton. Which is not a sentence that you hear often with, along with the New York Mets. No, not at all. But Escobar had one early, put us up ahead, bomb. Yeah, crushed from, it. From the left side. Love seeing that. Edyardo Escobomb. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Combine the two together. Double up. Francisco Lindor had the big blow, though. Threw run home run off Morton. Two strikes, too. Called it, by the way. You weren't here yet. You did? But I was talking to my roommate, Alex, and I was like, just, just hit a home run here. Do it right now. I need it. Give me a home run. And then Gary, I heard the call. Well, and I popped my head out. Ah, ah. Home run! Francisco, let's go! And then Canna dropped another one that wound up knocking Morton out of this game. Also, this was only the third time in Morton's career he's ever allowed three home runs. Hmm. First time he's done this since 2017. It's pretty good. Yeah. May 19th, 2017, though. So shout out to that second time. That's his birthday, May 19th. So shout shout double, out Mr. Shiano. Double shout out for the parents. Yeah, but... Got Charlie Morton, good pitcher. The second time this year, we've gotten to him too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he struggled a little bit. Remember, he struggled yeah. at the start. It was and chilly. Then he, then he then then he was good. That, yeah. was, that was the Jankowski leadoff game. That was the Jankowski yeah. leadoff game. The doubleheader that we mm-hmm. were at. Literally, I've seen the Braves a little bit this year at times. This was the Lindor game though, because Lindor really did have a hell of a game. Of course, the three-run home run, but he made some great plays on D. There was a deep ground ball in the hole that he bottom just, of the fourth, I think two men on. Yeah, just planted and threw an absolute seed. Like Francisco Lindor has never been praised for his arm strength. That has always been, I would say, like if you gave him a knock defensively, it'd be that his arm was average. Totally. This throw was a seed across the infield, back foot throwing it deep in the hole, and he got him by a step and a half. It was a great play. I also recall two weeks in April where Francisco Lindor was kind of struggling with the throws. I think he sailed one to Pete. They were just going high, going low. It wasn't that consistent. And since then, they have been crystal clear. They've been absolutely great for Francisco. That was a big thing that Mets fans like to get mad about, too. I can throw the ball! And it's like, this dude's fantastic. What are we talking about? Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations. And that's kind of a big thing with this series was between Lindor and Scherzer. On Monday, now they just kind of wrap up the series. Also, want to shout out known cleanup hitter Luis Guillorme, helping to break this game open late in the game with an RBI double before a, a, an RBI balk. Jesse Chavez, shout out to you, bro. He usually kills us, but that was a good one. That was a good one to get one over on him. Love Guillorme. Him in the four hole is hilarious, but and also. especially with the lineup dropping like nine a.m., <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, I woke up to Luis Guillorme hitting cleanup, which is it's a great way to wake up. I like it. Luis Guillorme in the four hole and the Mets scored a ton of runs. Pete Alonso needs protection. I don't want to know anyone else who could do it better. Yeah, I mean, Pete, Pete struck out three times in this game, so maybe get him more, a little more protection. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that going. But keep I it mean, going. hey guys, we beat the Braves. We have we had fifteen games against the Braves. Now we have twelve. And we got one on them. Wait, 
Drop the Lindor stat you told me about the, the, the switch hitting RBIs. Oh, this was this was the crazy Tim Kirchner stat they dropped on the broadcast because this home run sent Lindor the 67 RBIs in the half, which is more than he had all of last year. It's the most for any <laughs> is the most for any shortstop in all of baseball right now. And this was the first time. Get ready for this one, guys. This is nuts. First time in the history of the National League that a switch hitting shortstop had more than 65 RBIs <laughs> by the All Star break. Unbelievable. Crazy. This guy, First time. This guy stinks. <laughs> terrible. He's, he's terrible. Ugh, overpaid. Francisco Lindor, so bad. Where where would, they, where would we be without Francisco Lindor? Like, I know, Significantly worse. I know he hasn't been like MVP level type play statistically. Like he doesn't have like a 950 OPS. But like the guy is driving in runs and hitting home runs, which are two things that we've been begging for Mets players to do. And he's like 15% better than league average right now in terms of WRC+, plus, no PS+. Plus. That's basically completely in line with yep. his career averages besides 2018 when he went just crazy ballistic. Second highest barrel rate of his whole career too right now. First time he's ever been above 6% besides that 2018 year when it was all the way up 7%. So not that big of a difference there either. And he's already like almost a three and a half win player. Like we're only a few games past the midway point in the season. Great defense is sick. The dude's on pace for basically thirty and one fifteen, and like a six WAR. It's elite. Stinks. That's terrible. Oh god, 30, 30 and one fifteen. Don't want that on my. Team. I just feel so bad for all the Mets fans that had to be crowdsourced for Francisco Lindor's contract and are frustrated by how much he makes. I know the money that's coming out of our. If pockets. I had, yeah, if, oh, if I was paying this contract, wow. Ugh, good thing. Good thing we're not, because uh, the guy's great. Who cares? And beat the Braves. Beat the Braves. That's that's so big. Everyone was sweating, myself included. And we were making jokes at the intro of the show, like beating out all these players. We did actually beat them without Jeff McNeil starring Marte. Two integral parts of this offense. Two of the top five hitters in this lineup. Two, two all-stars. All-stars. Yeah. Literally. And we only got one roster spot back for them. We played this entire series with a short bench for Starling Marte, who's not in the IL, but wasn't available. It's like, we didn't even beat them at full strength. Jake McGraw might... Jake, knocking on everything. Jacob DeGrom might come back at some point this season. That's his, that's his that's the best way I'll put it. Has a AAA rehab start coming out or coming on the day that you guys will be listening to this on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, so fingers crossed. Prayer circles. We're, everybody. Uh, yeah, everyone watch party. It's free on OMB TV, by the way, if you got it. Amazing. That's pretty cool, honestly. Like, this is the first time the Braves have lost a series besides when they played the Dodgers. So, oh, you play the other the two teams with two best records in the National League, you might lose a series. I know the Nationals are fun. The Marlins were fun. They got a hold of the Giants, the Phillies. Played oh. the Pirates forever. Yeah, right. Six games against Cubs. the Pirates. We'll get those. We have those games too, Mets fans. Look at our schedule in September if you guys want to want to get excited about something. But we didn't even let any of their starters get through the sixth inning. Sick. And these are three really good pitchers. Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton. These are three really good pitchers there. None of them got through the sixth. Uh, Spencer Strider's not. Is he an all-star Spencer Strider? No, right? He's a, he freaking should be. He should be. Why? Well, he has no argument to start. Yeah, how, do you, how did he not make it if he didn't? But Max Fried is one for sure. Yeah. I know that. I mean, like the Mets took a team that was hot. Like we mentioned coming into the series, what, they were 29-8 and eight in their previous 37 games or whatever that was, quick math. And the Mets took two of three from them at home in Atlanta without some of our best players. Of course, they're missing Ozzie Albies too, so you can take that for what it is. But we were able to limit Ronald Acuna's damage. Austin Riley and Matt Olson so still did stuff, but they're really, really good players. And that was pretty much it. Like Duvall hit the home running game too when the game was already kind of out of reach-ish. Like I'm really, really impressed with how the Mets played. Hard, didn't get to their bullpen, though. That's one thing that gives me a little pause. That Braves, this Braves bullpen's come out of nowhere. And Strong. really good. They have yeah. tons of lefties in there, too, which is a weird element that not many teams have. I think four lefties in that pen. Which is, yeah, that's so Pretty many. Cool. And yeah. A.J. Minter looks like he actually might remember how to pitch again. Yeah, A.J. Minter is quite good. Same with Matzik. Same with McHugh. They, Evan Lee kind of impressed me. Yeah. He, he had some decent stuff coming out there from the left side. Good good bullpen here. But, like, 
This Mets team just played clean, team-oriented baseball. Scrappy, long at-bats, clutch hitting, power when we needed to have it. Like, it just worked. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, Tomas Nito, after the game, was talking about the Mets mentality inside the clubhouse. It was basically like, yeah, like, one— we know the season's not over. We're 20 games above 500 in first place by two and a half games. We're no, we know we're a good team. So it's funny to hear that everyone's so worried. Not that we were, but a lot of people were out in the Twitter world and out in Mets universe. But it's nice to know that these guys really still have that confidence riding high, feeling good. And they should after going into Atlanta and proving they're the better team. Absolutely. Proving they're the better team. You could really stake your claim on that one right now because we're going to have a five-game series, a very rare five-game series against the Braves. August, I believe, is fourth through the eighth or ninth because it's doubleheader, Saturday doubleheader mixed in. That's going to be a marathon. That is going to be intense. Twelve more games against the Braves. There's a lot. This, we will not salicot it like I said no. at the beginning. We will we're not, having fun now. We're having fun. Take your 24 hours. Enjoy Six o'clock, it. Thursday, July 14th. Focus on the Cubs. Focus on the Cubs. Got to beat the Cubs yes. because the Cubs, that's, Stin- stinking. they stink. This is a chance to get some games, win some ball ball games going into the All-Star break, and I really hope they do. Also, speaking of the All-Star break, Pete Alonso, Home Run Derby, confirmed. The Home Run Derby looks like it's going to be absolutely sick, by the yeah, way. Incredible. The, the names that have been announced, I think, are Alonso, Soto, Albert Pujols, which is hilarious because he's like 100 years old. I I'm, I'm still want to see it happen. Julio Rodriguez just got announced, which dark horse pick if it's not going to be Pete. And then there's also Ronda Cunha. And Kyle Schwarber. I don't know if there's been any other guys named, but those six right there, that's a pretty legendary six for a home run derby. This could shape up to be one of the best ones there are. I love the home run derby, too. The home run derby has been so much fun in recent years, not just because of Pete. Pete also helps a lot. Definitely. Since they changed this format and made the time, sick. It's one of the greatest adjustments in the history of sports. Like, the fact that, essentially, you're chasing somebody. Yeah. It's not like chasing with, like, the 10 outs thing and I can take 50 pitches. You have to be swinging, swinging, swinging. One of the reasons why I think Pete has been so good at it is, one, the guy can just hit home runs to right center field like it's nothing. He can basically be almost lazy on a swing and hit a home run in two. Shout out to Dave Joust, no longer with the organization, I don't believe. But dude's no, a money pitcher. The dude doesn't throw balls, and he'll be pitching to Pete again in this home run derby. I want them to have a nice, healthy batting practice, you know, streak before we get to the game. We'll probably do a more of a more of an all-star preview, home run derby preview on the, the Sunday episode at the end of the Cubs series. But cool that Pete's doing it again. I think only one other player has ever three-peated in the home run derby. Who is it? Griffey. Oh, yeah. It's a good player to Legend. be in a similar conversation with. Very different athletically. Yeah, almost no similarities besides the game they play. Yeah, besides that they're both good at baseball. <laughs> Griffey's really cool, slick, suave, fast. Pete is fun and uh, goofy, burly. Hits home runs. Yeah, hits home runs. Plays tanks. first. A little different. So different. I would like, uh, that'd be a cool photo op, though. Oh, that'd be sick. I'm oh. sure it's going to be LA. Everyone's going to be out there. It's going to be, not us. No. We won't be out there. We won't be out there, sadly. It kind of would have been like to, but. Would have been cool, but also, I'm okay to miss the LA one because. This all, this happened very, this, 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 we, we got in here recently. What yeah. is this, like our seventh episode with the Mets? Something like that. We're yeah. just, just about a month in, 102, I episode 102, I believe, was yeah. the first Mets one. So just about a month in working with the Mets here, and I mean, LA well, is a good one to miss. It would have been a tough play. I would, I would like to spend a couple of days in Los Angeles. I'll never say no to some extra sun. No, definitely not. Sun and beaches, us. Oh, Terrible. Uh, hold my arm. I don't want to go. But <laughs> twist, twist my arm. Twist my arm. Hold there my arm. Hold my arm. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> ah, whatever. 
It feels we're, nothing for that. We're what, like 50 minutes into this episode? I'm, I'm going to get a little crazy with what I'm talking about and losing my mind on some of these no. sayings. And we did get through the Brave stuff relatively quickly, and you guys have been begging for some trade talk. So we're going to give you guys maybe two or three minutes of it. Yeah, short. Short stuff. Not, not a big one yet. The trade deadlines you enlightened me. August 2nd. Yeah, August 2nd. No I, juice. I thought it was July 31st. No so juice. I think the trade talk also comes down a little bit too with the Mets winning the series just because I think it at least allows you to think that everything's completely 1000% okay. And also I've been telling everyone on Twitter, trade talk July, hit me in July. I just want to start answering questions. But I feel like realistically the trades don't even get hot until the all-star break. After the all-star break, yeah. Everyone takes some time off, step step away, recalibrate, rest, refresh, think about it a little bit more, what you need, what you want to get. And if you're talking about what the Mets want to get, it seems like they're completely zeroed in on grabbing bats. And I think that's Probably an okay move. I, I think really, it's the right decision. I really think that's all right because I'm thinking of like some of the acquisitions that they made in 2015. They were big bats. And I'm thinking of guys like Juan Uribe, Kelly Johnson, some dudes that make an impact, help relieve a little bit of the pressure maybe on guys who are currently playing every day like an Eduardo Escobar. You can now give him a day off because you can have someone fill in at third base. And I know we've got some names here of guys that I think would fit in really nicely in this lineup. That would be... Good additions. Yeah, and these aren't the sexiest names in the world. These no. are not the names you guys probably really want to hear. It's not the names you expect. But also, this market for bats is a little bit dry. And also, the market's weird now because like a team like the Orioles, who was going to be one of the premier bats and, out and there. And the Mariners. And the Mariners, they've gotten hot. And they're competing for playoff spots. The Orioles are like two and a half games out of the wild card. Nine-game winning like streak at the time of this recording. They've been one of the most fun teams in baseball. They've been awesome. So Trey Mancini's not going anywhere, probably. Probably same with Mitch Hanniger. Yeah, so some of the big names on the bat side. But... A guy like Jonathan Scope, who hasn't hit help. well this year, but I think you were because you threw that name out at me. I think you say he's playing better now. His last month has been significantly better than the first two. His chase rate's gone down over the last month, more in line with career averages. He's getting his barrel rate back up. He's hitting for more power, more fly balls. He's a guy who can fill in at first. He can play second, but not. He's not the most spry anymore. He's getting a little bit older. Although his OAA at second base it looks great. Looks great. Weird upon, though. It might be a weird. Further review. Yeah. I, I think it's a little fraudulent at times. Might be but. a weird situation. He could also probably in a pinch find a way to play third. Like I'm sure he's got a strong arm. There you go. Yeah, Very right. So arm. like I think Jonathan Scope and this this again this type of player we're going to be talking about for he, now. Yeah, for now. We'll, we'll, we might get crazy in an episode in a week or two, but he's the kind of guy who can help this team a lot. He'd be a significant upgrade over, like he he would be a big help to this bench. Yeah. Hunter Dozier's another name, a guy who can play a litany of positions. Super similar. He can play third. He can play first. He can play corner outfield. He hits fine. He's not. You're not, you're not breaking down any walls to see Hunter Dozier play the appearance. I'd also know. love to see him get out of Kansas City. Yeah, I think maybe you, get, you rejuvenate some of these guys on bad teams. You could see a little run in them. Okay. One guy like that, Nelson Cruz from the Washington Nationals. He's not necessarily my first choice, even though he probably has the best offensive ceiling on this list, just because I'd like someone who can play some defense, give yeah. this bench some versatility, because we already have a guy in J.D. Davis who might still be here after the, after the trade deadline, who kind of is just the pure DH, a tiny bit third base mixed in. Nelson Cruz will be a pure DH with like a tiny bit of first base mixed in. Barely. Probably not us. The Rays did that because they don't care about first base defense, but I just, he's someone who probably has the highest offensive ceiling. Hasn't been great this year, but still can hit. He still found ways, found times, found his moments, but he'd be someone who just absolutely helped the DH spot. One of your favorites, Daniel Vogelbach. Love Vogelbach. He's just a hilarious guy to bring into the locker room. Dude, I would love to see him and Pete just hang out. <laughs> just chill. Hang out. Just the whole video series on them. Tommy Hunter, I bet you would yeah. be a good friend with Daniel Vogelbach. What's the similarities between these guys? Large, burly men. <laughs> burly, I feel is the best way to do it. Daniel Vogelbach's 5'11", by the way. I That's think. so funny. He's, he's short and stocky and he runs like Babe Ruth. 
Also swings it a little bit like Babe Ruth. Yeah. The dude's got a violent lefty swing. Definitely. Daniel Vogelbach does, doesn't make the most con- contact, but when he does, it goes a long way. High walk rate, high K rate. It's been the book on Vogelbach forever. He's someone who just like, he'll give you a good at bat, especially as a lefty. Yeah. No, he's a strong, strong bat. Brandon Drury, you guys remember him from last year. Met legend. Raking right now. You got to imagine the Reds are going to trade him. He's essentially free. So every single team's probably going to be interested in him, which would maybe be why the Mets don't go after him because you just don't want to fight over Brandon Drury. Definitely. And John Heyman, I know. Ugh. Not not Mark's favorite guy, but the he, sauce boss. he his podcast called The Show, not making it up. It's called The Show. Very him, creative. Hilarious. Him and Joel Sherman. They do the episode with like big ass gaming <laughs> headphones too. It's almost like they think they're announcers. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that, but it's hilarious if you watch the videos because they're also really close to the camera because they're pretty old. <laughs> but they had Sandy Alderson on their show and he said that DH, which I haven't heard that name in a while, but... Yes, Sandy, wow. He said that DH is the Mets' primary concern, and they don't see very much competition for the guys they're going after. Okay. So it seems like the Mets are going to kind of hang out in this, like, second tier of DH, because there's there's so many... If you say you need to fill DH, anyone could fill that role. Literally. Literally. Even if you're a good fielder, you could hit play DH. Absolutely, and then you just mix around, kind of like Dozier and Scope. And uh, uh, David Peralta, another name who's going to be available, who I think could be a good fit for this Mets team. So... It seems like the Mets aren't trying to get in a bidding war because, as we all know, the Mets' farm system is top-heavy, and they don't, it doesn't seem like they seem very willing to trade from the strengths. It's also worth noting that the Mets have so many picks in the upcoming MLB draft. What is it? I, I know we have two in the first round, obviously, but there's something like, I want to say it's like, six or it's, seven it's in the like, first 100. It's like four in the top 70 or something. Yeah, some, some insane number that's high. And those picks will be available to be traded once they get drafted. This weekend, right? Th- yeah, this weekend. It's going to be on Sunday. You'll be able to move some of those guys. And getting that influx of top picks will make this Mets farm system a lot deeper. And you'll be able to project a lot more of what the Mets could be looking at in the future. As opposed to if you didn't have them and trading a guy maybe like a Ronnie Mauricio. But once we get those picks in, see who the guys have, the Mets become all of a sudden a little bit more flexible in moves they can make. Absolutely. And a lot of people have been hitting us up about Mets needing bullpen help at the deadline, where I think that it kind of feels that way. And I've said this a lot on this show. It's not really actually borne out in the statistics. The Mets bullpen right now, 10th lowest ERA in all of baseball. Good nice. And second highest strikeout rate. Two things we love to hear. Love that. And we're going to be getting Trevor May back. He's been throwing. Tyler McGill is probably going to come back in a relief role. He has a, um, a bullpen on Friday for the first time in a few months. Jacob DeGrom, if he does come back, he's going to... Makes everything longer. Everything everything gets better there. So I, I think there will be some... Mets probably will grab a reliever or two. You can just always find a yeah. good guy for free. And I'll get some fun names for you guys whenever we do our big trade deadline primer. I'll find some some ridiculous player on the Tigers or the Royals or something out yeah. of nowhere. Dylan, Dylan Coleman's a good one who I like. Yeah, he <laughs> pulled out all the Royals. Exactly, there it is. Yeah, but that's... You know, we'll, we'll find relief. I don't think relief is anywhere near the top of the Mets' wish list. But no. you mentioned MLB draft being Sunday. I totally forgot about that. You're a bit of a big draft guy, definitely bigger than me. Quick, two minutes. What do you want the Mets to do with two first-round picks? I want a pitcher. I want a hitter. And I specifically, if we're talking hitter, I want an outfielder. There's a couple outfielders that I particularly love. This doesn't mean anything in terms of the Mets. Uh, we unfortunately have no inside information on this. I would love to be looped in on the draft picks. I'd be sick as a guy who loves the MLB draft. But a guy I particularly like that I don't think they'll take this high, Chase DeLauder out of James Madison. Dude's a really, 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 really good baseball player. He just got hurt early in the season, so his numbers were a little bit wonky. Um, a name that they've been attached to as well, Brock Porter, who's one of the high school arms, uh, the top high school arm right now because a guy, Dylan Lesko, who was a consensus top five pick before he got Tommy John surgery as a high schooler. He was a guy I'm also interested in. I would like the Mets to take a, uh, take a look at. There's a bunch of really good players out there. I think I saw uh, Drew Gilbert was mocked to the Mets in a different mock draft, who's an outfielder from Tennessee. I want athletic outfielders 
and I want young pitchers because I really do think that the Mets pitching development will end up being one of the better ones in all of baseball. I'd love to see what they can do with a young, bright arm. And we don't have that much outfield depth, I feel like, in the minor league system. Or just real hitting depth. Yeah, just in general. Like, Alex Ramirez is our top guy, and I don't know who's next for the outfielders, really. Like, Nick Plummer and Khalil Lee are great. And some of, like, the international signees who are still very young in the DSL. But we're lacking those, like, 19 to 21-year-olds with, like, that true what is their ceiling, what is their floor-type talent. And I think this draft pool in general does have a lot of outfielders that could fit this. A name like Jace Young has also been floating around. If Cam Collier falls to the Mets, I would love for them to take him. He's sick. This draft pool is really, really top-heavy in terms of stars, but I think there's a lot of really, really good players in that middle chunk. And luckily for us Mets fans, we have a lot of picks in that middle chunk. Yeah, one guy I like a lot, too, from my very medium amount of research, Justin Crawford, Carl Crawford's kid. A lot of kids in this draft, yes. too. Matt Holliday's kid, Andrew Jones's kid. Carl Crawford's kid. Missing any kids? Uh, Daniel Susak is Andrew Susak's kid. There you go. It's a lot of kids. Not, not, Andrew Susak does not nearly have the... No, the same panache as those three guys. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Daniel Susak's a name that's been attached to the Mets, too, as a catcher from yeah. Arizona. Yeah, I like Crawford. Crawford's like, I think he's like 6'2 or 6'3 as a Big high kid. schooler, Bishop Gorman. He's only 175 pounds, but I think he might fill out, especially seeing his dad's frame. Like Carl Crawford, a little bit more meat than I think a lot of people remember, but I like him. He's, he's not showing that much power yet in games, but I've read... Shout out Baseball America, that his batting practices are much significantly more lively in his game tape right now. A lot of times with a young guy who hasn't filled out, that is kind of a way to project power. I like him. I do really think the Mets are going to go hither-hither with those first two picks. Maybe a prep bat and then a college bat to go a risky and a safe. And then just like last year, just pepper the pitchers all through there. Get your overslot pitchers from weird places like Canada, high school, and just throw them in, throw them in, throw them in. Get like two hitters. Six pitchers, and then just best available. And when we do see the picks, of course, we will talk about this on the episode. Maybe it'll even be its own episode. Who knows at this we point? Could do to bonus, do a, could do a bonus episode during the break. MLB draft special. But we'll dive fully deep yeah. into whatever guys we get, and we'll tell you everything you need to know. But right now, we're just speculating, throwing names out there that we personally like. Yeah, and... We're not experts. Mark's a little better. Mark was credentialed for the MLB Draft Combine last year. I was there last year, and let me tell you, the guys that I liked have been money. One of them, by the way, was Tommy White, who was one of the premier college baseball hitters last year. There so, you go. Uh, a little pat myself on the back there. I've a little done a draft job. Gi- giraffe neck scout. Yeah. G- giraffe neck draft. Giraffe neck draft. That's uh, too, too many Gs. Too many G. There's, there's one G. There's one G in oh, draft next draft. The sound, the draft and G sounds. There's a lot of Fs. There's a lot I think of Fs. I think Fs might be the issue. G and F right next to each other in the alphabet, too. All right, let's preview the Cubs now. Yeah. What do we got with this Cubs series, right? Four games? Four games, yeah. And three-day games. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all 2 o'clock. Love that. Yeah, so Love good. Love that. So good. Especially heading into the All-Star break, you can relax. Also, it's going to go on Saturday's game right against the Futures game, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, it sucks that Real botch. MLB yeah, botched it. Botched, though. But also just, I wish we could have had a shot to see more of these guys. Francisco Alvarez is going to play in it for the second time in as many years. He's a great prospect. Tons of great prospects across the league. The game's going to be on Peacock. Vientos is playing too now. Oh, Vientos is? Oh, I didn't see he got added. Yeah, he got added. Nice. Very cool. So if you guys have Peacock, maybe hit us up. Maybe if we have a link or something, we can help you out with it if you don't have Peacock. But a little disappointing that game is going to be going on during the Mets game on Saturday. But I digress. Or is it Sunday? Uh, Sunday, I don't it's know. It's Saturday or Sunday. It's one of the weekend days, but definitely be going across the Mets game. But pitching matchup for the Cubs series, Thursday evening, we have Carlos Carrasco versus Keegan Thompson. Keegan Thompson's pitching pretty well for the Cubs. He's been their best pitcher this year. He has. He's been He's been good. Him and Justin Steele's also been good, too. We're missing Steele in this series. Friday afternoon, though. Circle it. Friday matinee, Taiwan Walker versus Marcus Stroman. Which, well, a lot of the Mets fans are ready for that one. And I think Marcus Stroman's been waiting for this game all year long. And these two are actually still friends. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, like... I. 
people will have their own opinions about Marcus Stroman to each their own. I think he's still a good guy. I think he's still a good baseball player. I have no animosity towards him. That being said, I will not like to hear him trash talk. I don't want to hear him say anything. I would, lo- I would, you know, it would bring me great joy. Marcus Stroman is silent on Twitter this weekend because that means the Mets are winning. That would be nice. And then we'll got one circles Friday matinee, and then Saturday another two twenty. Max Scherzer versus Drew Smiley. Like my chances in that one. I do like how that sounds. You gotta be aware though, the wind. Sometimes those day games are wriggly. The ball flies. Max Scherzer has some has had some home run issues. So keep an eye on the wind this weekend too. The Cubs broadcast actually they do such a good job every single game of outlining the wind. Was it John Shambi? I think he is. At Boog. Yeah, Boog. Yeah, 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 I think it is him. But they just they have these great graphics they make to show the different wind vectors to the every field. Ooh, it's really cool. And they, it's like very intuitive. I really like how they do it. Watch some Cubs games. I don't even know why. I just yeah. Why are you watching the Cubs? Fancy baseball. They do yeah. swing the bat well. The Cubs they actually. do. They do. My player watching the series is a bat. But last matchup here Sunday, heading into the break, David Peterson versus Adrian Sampson. Who? I just I we bat. I think that's Adrian Sampson. I think it is. too. It is Adrian Sampson. We I, got Adrian got, Sampson. 3-3 RA in the year. I guess that's not that bad. How many innings has he thrown? Let's see. I'm, I'm going to say under 15. Under 15? Nah, 27. Oh, okay. 27. And 27. he has 22 strikeouts in those innings. So he's All not right. he's not that bad. And the Cubs are not like the dumbest franchise on earth. They, they swing the bat, like we said. They do. Player to watch from the Cubs. I'm really starting to love Christopher Morrell. He's so good. He had that great highlight in like his second or third game where he had a shot to win in the ninth inning, and he was like kind of freaking out. And he looked back to Wilson Contreras, value of having veterans on a ball club. <sighs> Told yeah. him to relax, and he took a breath, and he got a big hit. Yep. No, Christopher Morrell's a good player. Also, fun fact about Christopher Morrell, he had the hardest throw from the outfield this year. Really? Average, or average velocity, I should say, from the outfield. 98 miles an hour. The dude has a hose. I wouldn't say it's average. I think it's just velocity at that point. No, I think, I think it was average on like, five throws. At, oh, my God. Yeah, 98 miles an hour. So, the dude has a hose. Don't run on Christopher Morrell. No, that's sweet. Ian Happ's also swinging the bat well. He's, He's a guy all-star. who's going to probably get traded this deadline. Yeah, see maybe a little bit above what the Mets want to pay. I think some Mets fans are probably going to be keeping a close eye on Wilson Contreras, despite both of us it. not thinking he would be a fit on this roster right now. I think he would be a fit on this roster. I just think it's the concept of acquiring a catcher this deep into a season, having to learn a whole new... Everything about all these pitchers it could take away from your hitting prep. And if you get Wilson Contreras and he's not hitting like an all-star, you're going to be like, why did I get Wilson Contreras? And he's also a free agent at the end yeah, of the Yeah, yeah. And we also have a pretty good catcher waiting in the wings who I think should be ready pretty soon. Yeah, no, another Venezuelan. Another Venezuelan, Strong, yeah, right. strong Venezuelan Absolutely. catchers in baseball. And, like, this Cubs team is kind of fun. They're pesky. They're scrappy. They can hit a little bit. Say Suzuki's a lot of fun. He's healthy so, right now, right? Yeah, say Suzuki's healthy. Yeah. So they have a middle of the order. Patrick Wisdom also, if he makes contact, is going a really long way. But he will strike out 40% of the time. Yeah, he had a great soundbite against about facing Jacob deGrom last year. He's like, it's just not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Cubs are simply a team we have to beat. Yeah, you gotta, I would like to win three of these games. I'd really, I, I'm going to get greedy. I want to sweep. Sure. They're, but the team isn't like a, a pitifully bad. I think they've been especially cold recently because the pitching is not that deep. But they have enough hitters in there. Wow, the Cubs are actually on a one, two, three, four, five-game losing streak at the time recording with another game against the surging Orioles tonight. Also worth noting that their bullpen stinks, but... It does stink. David Robertson, keep an eye out for him. Yeah, he's a guy the Mets could be after. Just also a guy who knows how to pitch in New York. Dude's dude drop good, one of those old-school sayings good, on you. Good cutter. He came, came out of nowhere, actually. The stuff has come back after a few years of it being bad, dealing with injuries. The stuff is good. He is real good. Not, it's not like he's really good. I mean, like he's real life good. Like yeah. it's not, it's not smoke and mirrors good. He's good. Yeah, David Robertson. Keep an eye out for him this series. Actually, hopefully we don't see him because that means the Mets are winning. Yeah, right. Don't, don't, don't want to see him once. Don't let him pitch again until the All Star break. I mean, give me, give me one more scroll if I can find a fun reliever on the Cubs. Oh yeah, you could right definitely. Now. They will have some names because like. Oh, I don't know if this guy's active and healthy right now, but Scott. I don't know how to pronounce it. Efros, Efros. 
Efros, I think. Efros, he's got crazy stuff. Okay. He's he's weird. He's a wonky guy. There's James Weird Reliever. Weird, to keep weird an eye Reliever of the episode. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect way for us to end this episode of the Mets Stub Podcast. Episode 109. Appreciate you guys listening and watching, whichever way you do it. Make sure you are following us on our social media at Mets Up, YouTube. Twitter. Nope. YouTube's not Mets up. YouTube is the New York Mets New channel. York Mets. Don't confuse anybody. Our YouTube videos for this show are on the New York Mets channel. But you can follow us on social media at Mets up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, subscribe, download, put it on auto download, whatever you have to do. Rating, review, it really does help the podcast grow. Tell your friends. I'm yeah. sure they'd like it. Yeah. If you're a Mets fan. Yeah, why you, not? You would, you would definitely like There's this no podcast. There's no reason. Appreciate all the support you guys have been showing us. Make sure you follow James at James Shiano. Follow me at Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll see you after the Cubs series. Peace out. Peace out. See you next time. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.